listeners, welcome back to Dose of Joy. I'm your host, Joy Huber. Did you know it was World Hospice and Palliative Care Day yesterday? So they get part of the focus for this week. According to www.thewhpca.org forward slash about page, this day is an annual unified day of action to celebrate and support hospice and palliative care around the world. Oh, and WHPCA stands for Worldwide Hospice Palliative Care Alliance. This was part of why I wanted to get my master's degree specifically in health communication. Too many times in medical settings, letters are thrown out and we don't know what they mean. If you catch me saying letters you don't know, email and ask me, what did this stand for? Because I want to make sure you understand. You can email the show at doseofjoypodcast at hotmail.com. Researching this palliative care day led me back to cancer.net, where I found a great page called What is Palliative Care? I'll share the link on our Facebook page. The page, as it reads, as of this podcast, states, Cancer and its treatment can cause physical symptoms and side effects. They can also cause emotional, social, and financial effects. Treating these effects is called palliative care or supportive care, so you've already likely learned something new with today's show. The page also says, research shows that palliative care can improve the quality of your life and help you feel more satisfied with the treatment you receive, and that I'm all for. Anything that can help you after hearing you have cancer, I want to guide you to. Palliative care might start with your cancer care team. Tell them about any symptoms you have. Also talk with them about any life changes or problems such as needing rides to the hospital or time off work. Your cancer care team can contact other palliative care professionals. Now for some comments from my personal story. These aren't easy to share, but I promise to be real with you during this show. At my primary oncologist office, and I say it that way because I received chemo or saw oncologists at several different locations, part of this was because I wanted to get a second opinion, so I went to another place. I also moved during my ongoing chemotherapy after I achieved remission, so had to transfer my care to Tennessee when I was living in the Nashville area. But the primary oncologist's office had me fill out a form they can scan to call their attention to what side effects I'm having. I do remember one day while in active treatment versus maintenance chemo, I checked almost everything. I mean, hard to have diarrhea and constipation at the same time. Ew, sorry. But everything else I was having at the same time. Also, you want to speak up to your medical team and don't be shy about calling their office in between visits. They're not mind readers, so they don't know unless you share it with them. 
If you want to ask specific questions about support, here's some terrific example questions, and I'll post the specific link to this on the Facebook page. Your time is too important to be hunting for these deep links. I'll guide you right to them. What support services are available to me, to my family? Whom should I call with the questions or concerns during non-business hours? Can you recommend a social worker to help locate support services? Keep listening as I'm going to share a whole bunch of resources with you, too, as this show is an important part of your support care. You're facing cancer with joy now. And remember, Yana, you are not alone. Now, from today, I want you to remember the word listen, unscrambled, also spells silent. So it's important when you're considering the medical team you'll entrust with your care that you find someone who will listen to you by being silent. If they're interrupting you before you can finish, provided you haven't gotten too long-winded, you may want to seek care elsewhere where you can be heard and don't feel rushed through appointments. Now, your health insurance may cover palliative care as part of your cancer treatment. For example, if you need to see a physical therapist for help with increasing physical activity during treatment, this is a part of your cancer care. Medicare and Medicaid often pay for palliative care. Remember, Medicare is the government health insurance for older people, while Medicaid is the government health insurance for people who earn less than a certain amount. Cancer.net had a link to another great site, which is just getpalliativecare.org, and I found a quiz posted on there from earlier this summer. I'm going to post the link to that quiz on the Facebook page so you can check it out. Cancer.net has a great article on their blog listing four corners to palliative care. The first corner covers the medical issues. The second corner is the social worker who could help with the practical aspects of a patient's life. The third corner could be a psychologist who covers the emotional and psychological needs. The fourth corner could include a spiritual care advisor who can help explore purpose and meaning and ask if you have a support team in place. I'm going to read to you Heather's story from this page, and that name has been changed to protect the patient's privacy. This patient's story shows how spiritual distress can affect a person's treatment and how a chaplain or spiritual care advisor can help people in need. Fatigued, Frightened, and Disappointed with God, Heather's Story. Heather recently revealed to us how fatigued and frightened she felt and why she didn't want to continue chemotherapy and radiation therapy. Heather was suffering with growing debt and bills she could not pay. Her family was tired of taking her to appointments and missing work. Her mother had quit her job to stay with Heather. Heather told us that she felt she was being punished by God for all her past choices and was prepared to give up. We encouraged her to vent all of the anxiety and sadness she felt about her family and lack of support from her church. Then we allowed some silence so she could rest her thoughts. In the conversation that followed, the social worker suggested some options that could help her cope with the financial burdens of her care. 
Once Heather seemed more at ease, she was able to express some of her deep disappointment with God. She told us her thoughts on forgiveness and prayer, meditation, and even the idea of inviting small groups of people to her house for short visits. A return of confidence. Heather began to feel ready to continue with treatment. Then, like a carpenter who frames the corners of a window, we prepared the doctor and nurse practitioner for their visits. The problems on Heather's chart were distress, fatigue, and concern for continuing treatment, but the other corners of palliative care were able to offer the backstory. Knowing that she had been provided with resources, the doctor and nurse practitioner felt that Heather might be open to proceeding with her treatment. Most importantly, she felt heard and honored. That's a great story of how palliative care can complement or help. So think about how you're feeling at this point in your treatment and list your needs to share with your medical team. Finding resources to meet those needs could help to give you courage as you go through cancer treatment. And we talked about courage being the opposite of fear or what you need to be given to overcome your fear. Take a little action every day asking, what exactly am I so scared of? What can I do to alleviate that fear? For example, if I was having something done but I was going to be given anesthesia, I didn't look up details of what they were doing to me. Why freak myself out unnecessarily? My dentist has told me it's amazing what you can do to the human body when you've numbed people and they don't feel the pain. Now, I've heard some pretty intense tools working inside my mouth at the dentist during root canals or dental implants, not to mention filling basic cavities or doing crown prep, but I don't feel it, so I don't get as fearful of it knowing I'll be numbed. I'll transition here to a resource I want to share, as last week I promised to help you find those doctors and hospitals who are top-rated in your area by an independent third party. At health.usnews.com forward slash best dash hospitals forward slash rankings forward slash cancer. And I'll put that out on the Facebook page because that's a long link to try to spell out here allows you to compare hospital ratings for cancer treatment. U.S. News evaluated 913 hospitals and ranked the top 50 that treat cancers such as leukemia, lymphoma, melanoma, breast, kidney, colon, prostate, pancreatic, head and neck, orthopedic, uterine, and ovarian cancers. On the left side of this page, you can even plug in your home zip code and search within how many miles you're willing to travel to see what surfaces. Have you used this website before? Hopefully this is a new one you learned from listening to Dose of Joy. Asking trusted friends or family members for recommendations too might be a good idea. Now remember, I'm not a medical doctor, so be sure to consult with the clinical care team you selected for specific guidance on your own treatment. 
Now, it's not a comfortable topic to discuss, but one we all have to get more comfortable with, for it'll happen to every single one of us. Yesterday was also World Hospice Day, so I want to share some helpful resources for end-of-life care. We'll all be there at some point, so it's helpful to get informed. I said last week we should talk about why a cancer diagnosis strikes so much fear into our hearts. I had to reflect on that when I received my diagnosis and felt so terrified. What surfaced for me was I was terrified that my stage four cancer diagnosis meant Mm -hmm. I would be finding out I would be dying soon or I had X amount of time left. When I further reflected on why I would be so sad to find out I was dying soon, here's what came up. I was 33 when I was diagnosed, and I felt I hadn't really lived yet. You hear about people who are diagnosed with cancer and quit their job to check things off their bucket list or tackle a list of things they've always wanted to do because they've been painfully reminded what we should all know. No one gets out of this life alive, and the point is that we're only here on Earth for a predetermined period of time. Maybe you've been motivated to accomplish some things you want to do, and by spurring you on to do that, a cancer diagnosis, while never wanted, can remind us of our eventual mortality. If we haven't thought a lot about it before, I think that's what's so shocking and fear-inducing. We may realize we want to live to see a loved one accomplish a milestone like graduating from school or getting married. Sometimes these events are moved up or recreated so the person facing cancer can be there to take part. But we're all going to pass on at some point, and avoiding talking about it doesn't change that fact. So it's good to be prepared, and I found actively living has helped me prepare for eventual dying. I can cope with my eventual mortality with more peace, knowing I live more fully now following my diagnosis. Pinpointing specifically why I had such fear wasn't comfortable, but it was highly useful to get to the root of the feeling so I could take what action I could on it. According to a Cancer.net page I'll share on hospice care, this care is defined as a type of care used when a cure is not likely or when people are in the last months of life. Hospice care may include things like home health aids to help with bathing and other routine care needs, equipment needed to keep you comfortable, medications to help maintain your comfort, and support for family members in providing care and grieving. Cancer.net also states, although talking about dying is sad, it is wise to settle your affairs. Consider what you want your care to look like during the last days of life. Share your wishes with your family and healthcare team. I have stipulated I don't want machines keeping me alive if there's no quality of life. I have also signed up to be an organ donor. So I've thought and planned ahead on several things, even though I'm only in my 40s now. Complete your affairs, which could include finding and organizing important legal and financial documents. Create or update your advanced directives, whether that's your durable healthcare power of attorney or living will. 
Some like to pre-plan their own memorial service. Other helpful suggestions include accomplishing unfinished goals, which I shared some about earlier in regards to travel. Are there relationships you want to try to mend? Also, review your life, reflecting on and celebrating your large accomplishments. Think of all the people you and your life have mattered to and the difference you've made, whether it's through raising a family, volunteering and donating money, goods, and time to causes you felt passionate about, and being a friend. Now, that may not apply to you at this time, but I wanted to include it in this week's episode in recognition of yesterday being Hospice Day. These heroes who help at that end-of-life stage we'll all arrive at are to be recognized, appreciated, and celebrated at this time for all they do. Even something as simple as a handwritten thank you note could be something they'll cherish for a long time as a keepsake. On a related note, as we talk about handwriting notes of appreciation, last year I celebrated a decade since my stage 4 cancer diagnosis. I was reflecting on what to do that would be meaningful, and I decided to handwrite specific notes of appreciation to a trio of doctors and oncologists who were so essential to my wonderful care. I heard back from all three of them, even though I hadn't spoken to a couple in a while since my note at that time really touched them. It's the little and often low-cost things that can mean so very much. Speaking on special days, there's a lot in October, so I also want to touch on it being Metastatic Breast Cancer Awareness Day next Wednesday, October 13th. According to an article at Shape.com, the website of Shape magazine, which you may have seen, October 13th is nationally recognized as the official Metastatic Breast Cancer, MBC, Awareness Day. In honor of MBC survivors, their loved ones, and those who've passed from the disease, over 200 landmarks around the globe will be illuminated in green, teal, and pink that day. If a landmark isn't lit up in your city, you can tune into a virtual broadcast. Hashtag light up M, as in Mary, BC Live, which will feature stories told by members of the MBC community. The virtual broadcast will stream at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time on multiple places, including metaviver.org. That's M-E-T-A-V-I-V-O-R dot O-R-G. ASCO, which as a reminder is the American Society of Clinical Oncology, has a great two-page fact sheet I'll share on the Facebook page about metastatic breast cancer. It defines metastatic breast cancer as breast cancer that has spread to other parts of the body. This sheet includes questions to ask as well as definitions of key words you might be hearing but not understand, including ER positive, which is cancer that uses the hormone estrogen to grow, just like PR positive is cancer that uses the hormone progesterone to grow. 
It also simply defines palliative care or supportive care that we talked about earlier as treatment that focuses on reducing symptoms, improving quality of life, and supporting people with cancer and their families. Finally, next Friday, October 15th, is National Mammography Day. According to the CDC, Centers for Disease Control, a mammogram is an X-ray picture of the breast. Doctors use a mammogram to look for early signs of breast cancer. Regular mammograms are the best tests doctors have to find breast cancer early, sometimes up to three years before it can be felt. So it's critical that you discuss with your primary care physician their recommendations for you getting a mammogram, considering factors in your personal health history, since guidelines can vary. I shared in the last episode I already had my mammogram this year, earlier this summer. Thank you for taking time to listen into Dose of Joy. How about next week if we get into some of my do's and don'ts at diagnosis, along with more resources you may not know of to help you do the do's? (laughs) That makes me laugh, and this is called Dose of Joy. So until next time, wishing you a joyful life. It's time to live before I die. I'm gonna laugh and I'm gonna cry The world is waiting